This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Stitch Fix. So this is our weekly tech show. And we've got plenty of that for you today. But first, we simply must address the fact that Wednesday, May 18th, was a very big day for two recurring Internet Today characters who have rightfully spent the last several years behind bars for not only doing crimes that were doomed to result in serious legal consequences, but also doing them in the most high-profile ways possible. Just asking for it. Ensuring that the legal system would come down on them hard as an example to other would-be fraudsters. We're talking about Martin, Farmer Bro Shkreli, and Billy, Firefest McFarland, both of whom were released from prison this week on the exact same day. What are the freaking odds? It's, uh, it's a... It's a wild week for our show's rogues gallery of characters. Yeah, the, the this season is sort of starting to drag. The writers are going to bring back two old favorites. It's sweeps week, baby. Yeah. <laughs> we got a, t- <laughs> a real shot in the arm that we needed. So let's start with Shkreli. Uh, while he's most known for arbitrarily raising the price of a life-saving pharmaceutical and then gloating about it to any journalist willing to talk to him, and then pivoting from that infamy into being an internet celebrity and troll, what ended up taking him down didn't really have anything to do with any of that. In 2017, he was convicted of defrauding investors in some hedge funds that he ran and then used that money to start his first drug company, then pulling money from that drug company to pay back losses at his hedge funds that he'd covered up. Uh, Apparently, in the end, no one really lost any money, but the no harm, no foul defense doesn't really hold up when you're doing financial crimes. But, Your Honor, you see everyone got paid in the end, so come on. And don't forget, when he was talking to any journalist that would talk to him, He ended up in a romantic relationship with one of them who left her husband uh, and then lost her career, lost her career for doing something highly unethical, which is to get into a relationship with someone you're supposed to be reporting on. Uh, And then would visit him in prison until he found out that she went and talked about their relationship publicly. And and then he broke up with her. He has, uh, you know, for a guy that's been mostly off the radar due to prison for the last several years. He still has, uh, you know, looking back on it, there's so many bullet points to the Martin Shkreli saga. Yeah. It's it's kind of impossible to really sum up. But uh, in total, Martin Shkreli ended up spending around four and a half years behind bars. He was originally sentenced to a seven-year prison term. Um, He tried to secure an early release uh, before, back during the height of COVID, under the pretext that with all of his pharmaceutical knowledge, uh, he had a pretty good hunch about how to stop this virus. And uh, that quote from our show covering that topic is featured in the Hulu documentary, oh, is Farmer it? <laughs> Bro. Yeah, at the end. Uh, it's only the audio of it. Oh, that's funny. But it was on a plane, and uh, it was pointless to show off. I was sitting next to him, I'm like, I'm in a, I'm in a documentary that's on yeah. the plane. Isn't that cool? He's like, oh, let me see. And you can't see it. No, they did not pay me. I didn't even ask for permission. They just fucking did it. They credited it as like YouTube. Yeah. So uh, YouTube.com. Still cool. Source. Wish it was a video clip though, so I could point. Yeah. You know? But and, uh yeah, so the whole like uh, you know, let me out. I can stop this pandemic right now with my big brain. That that didn't seem to work. Um what apparently got him released early was good behavior, which is kind of weird considering that at one point he spent some time in solitary for smuggling in a cell phone presumably in his ass, and using it to secretly run a company that he was definitely not supposed to be running anymore. Um, but I don't know, maybe he was a real model citizen otherwise. Maybe he learned from his time in the hole. Didn't he also get in trouble, uh, or was that actually Billy McFarland for doing podcasts? That was appearance? Billy McFarland. Okay, sorry, it's so confusing. <laughs> yeah. uh, weirdly, though, a lot of people learned uh, of Screlly's release, not from the news, but from this Twitter post by a guy named Edmund Sullivan with the text, Picked up this guy hitchhiking, says he's famous, with a photo attached of Sullivan and Shkreli in a car together. 
In response to people questioning if this was just a troll post, he followed that up with another picture of the two men, with Sullivan wearing a free Shkreli t-shirt and Shkreli wearing a gray sweatshirt and sweatpants and also a lavalier mic peeking out of his collar, indicating that his release from prison may have been filmed for a documentary. Oh, baby. Shkreli himself, who is banned from Twitter, posted a selfie to Facebook with the caption, Getting out of real prison is easier than getting out of Twitter prison. He's right. He's demonstrably correct. Are, are we going to venture a guess here that Elon got him out of real jail and will also get him out of Twitter jail? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> we'll get to why that might not be the case. But um, back to Shkreli. What happens next for this man? Uh, he is banned for life from ever working in the pharmaceutical industry or running any public company. So um, he's not really going to be picking up where he left off career-wise. Um, online influencer seems like his most likely career path right now. I think he could do pretty well on Twitch. Uh, maybe something involving crypto, although what bad, a time to get into bad it. timing. Yeah, um, no. Uh, and, I, gonna... I, and I feel like I might be wrong, but I feel like when he was still, uh, or it might have even been because he would, if you wrote to him in jail, he would usually respond. But I feel like he's uh, bearish on crypto. I feel like he's all about the stonks. I might be wrong though. I would not be surprised if for some reason, if, if he's not already banned, but I would not be surprised to see him on Twitch, like, immediately. Yeah. I mean, he was already streaming a lot on YouTube before going to jail. And his yeah, streams... and like, uh, remember Periscope? That was, like, a thing? He was yeah. on Periscope, his, too. His streams are boring as fuck. It was, like, him playing the guitar. Poorly. Or, like, doing, you know, he, he, he does have a good financial mind, but it would just be him, like... You know, looking at fucking like deltas and sigmas of different stocks and like doing deep stock analysis. Uh, like, all right. Or uh, playing that uh, segments of the Wu-Tang album. He doesn't have that anymore. I know. The, so. the, the, the U.S. government auctioned it off to a crypto, uh, a DAO. So uh, <laughs> where is it at now? Who knows? Probably in some scammer's wallet. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I don't know. Also, what about, again, that, that journalist who threw her entire career away to be Martin Shkreli's uh, girlfriend while he was in prison? What's going on there? I mean, apparently they did, they broke up immediately because uh, Shkreli was not happy about her going and talking about their relationship publicly with so many people. Um, but I don't know. She, she is on the record as still being interested in rekindling what they had. Martin, let me in. She's also writing a book about the whole relationship. That if she published, she's publishing online in parts right now. So I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Hi, hey, we want to get back together. Also, I'm writing a book about our entire relationship. You are the most interesting thing that ever happened to me, yeah. Martin Scrilly. You said he was on, uh, he's been spotted on Bumble already? Yeah, as uh, when uh, we were coming in, I was checking my phone on the news feed. And the, I didn't read the full article, but uh, yes, <laughs> unless it's a doctored image, which it might be. Or it could uh, just be someone having a little fun. Yeah, exactly. But uh, he looks like he's on the apps. Hey, good for him. But meanwhile, Billy McFarland, the man behind the music festival that was such a catastrophic failure that it generated two competing documentaries about what a shit show it was, also got early release from prison on the exact same day. So Billy McFarland was sentenced to six years back in 2018 for all of the uh, various crimes that he committed while fraudulently promoting a luxury music festival getaway that had zero chance of actually succeeding, uh, but he ended up only doing four years. It's unclear if good behavior was... Also, the reason that he got out early, though, uh, I mean, like like Shkreli, McFarland also got himself put into solitary uh, once for sneaking a flash drive in, presumably in his ass, and another time for secretly recording a podcast about Fire Festival and That's I guess one. not getting permission to do it. Yeah, uh, it'll be very interesting to see where Billy McFarland ends up now that the thing he's known for is basically a synonym for clusterfuck. <laughs> 
People will be describing things as the Firefest of blank for years to come. And meanwhile, anyone with any business sense is going to keep Billy McFarlane as far away as possible. Um, again, online influencer. Yeah. He's another one I could see. If, On if, Twitch. It's, again, terrible timing because if this was even like a couple months ago, Billy McFarlane, I could see him totally getting into crypto. But now they're getting on the ground floor again. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, one of the biggest crypto guys, I haven't checked in recently, but for a while there was Jordan Belfort. Yeah. Which yeah. is just like... Yes, give your money to the Wolf of Wall yeah, Street Yeah, literally guy. the Wolf of Wall Street. So if he can make it in crypto, then these guys easily could. Uh, my favorite movie, I always press stop halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only the good parts. That's yeah. What, that's what, if anyone trusts this guy with their money, they literally just watch the parts where him and his friends got filthy rich uh, by yeah. defrauding others, but still. And it all worked out. Uh-huh. Happy ending all around. After. So, yeah, while both McFarlane and Shkreli are out of prison, uh, both men are living in halfway houses for the time being, and while we've seen no indication that they're staying at the same New York City halfway house, we're just going to make believe that they are. In our headcanon, they are staying... Together, they're bunkmates at the same halfway house in New York City. Because, you know, that kind of meeting of the minds, it's a powerful thing to consider. They'll, I want to believe. They'll be on Shark Tank within three months. Yeah. Think of the, what these two could come up with together. They yeah. have, they're, they're perfectly complementary. Like, they're very different people, but, like, that's what would make it so powerful if you combine their strengths. Yeah. I'm excited to see how it plays. Billy's a people person. Martin's a, a numbers guy. Yeah. Look, I, they've... Legally done their time. Yeah. We're going to hope that they don't do any more shenanigans. Promise. But uh, <laughs> regardless, it'll be interesting to see how uh, the next couple of months plays out. Yeah. But speaking of larger than life personalities who have been accused of brazen financial fraud. I guess we better update you on the current status of Elon Musk's very annoying, very drawn out quest to own Twitter for some reason which is becoming more and more annoying with each passing day. To summarize, does Elon own Twitter yet? No. Will he own Twitter? That remains very unclear. Things are definitely starting to lean more towards no, but that's also what we thought when this whole dumb saga started until they were like, yeah, yeah. He's, he's got the money. All right. We've uh, sent the terms. Everything's agreed upon. That's it. Yeah. All good. Not what I would have expected. Um, so... Who knows what the next couple of weeks or months will lead to, but let's break down what's happened to this deal and Elon Musk in his personal life just this week so far. So late last week, we started getting the first hints that Elon might be getting cold feet about this whole deal that he had already signed on to when he tweeted, Twitter deal temporarily on hold pending details supporting calculation that spam slash fake accounts do indeed represent less than 5% of users with a link attached to that post to a Reuters article about Twitter's 5% estimation that was published 11 days earlier. Uh, he followed that up with, to find out, my team will do a random sample of 100 followers of at Twitter. I invite others to repeat the same process and see what they discover, dot, dot, dot. Which is a, that's a hilariously unscientific way to get to the bottom of this issue that he's suddenly having with the company that he has already agreed to pay $44 billion to buy. But he also followed that up with, Still committed to acquisition. Just want to so, uh, just want to flush those bodies. I'm counts. just asking questions. Yeah, and anyone who saw that uh, estimation internally from Twitter that was put out was just like, "There's no fucking way. It's got to be more than five percent." Like, I mean, just like any other social media website, there's gonna be bots. Yeah, but it's like, I mean, I, honestly, it could be five percent. It could be I. W I don't know. 
most of the accounts that I encounter on Twitter, the vast majority are seem to be real people. Yeah. Uh, but if you look in the replies to any Elon Musk tweet, uh, well, it's, it's not, it's, it goes it's, not so it's much like replies either, like just likes or followers, because it, much like the uh, minting of new cryptocurrency coins, it's a process that is uh, engaged with by. Other users who are like, well, I'm going to buy a bunch of bots to yeah to fill up my follower account. And so someone has to like some algorithm is creating bots to do that. But it's also it's like that's probably the case. That's certainly the case with I a lot of accounts. It, but it, it's like that's just sort of kind of like a, a law of nature for the Internet. I love the you can tell on Instagram how many bot accounts a uh, thing has based on how many comments within five minutes are yeah. paying off the student loans of five people who DM me. Or anything like that in the, yeah. in the comment section. I will write your, your your high school essays. Yeah. Now, to be clear, actually narrow, narrowing down an exact percentage of accounts on a social media platform with over 300 million monthly active users, it's a little more complicated than looking at a random sample of 100 accounts. It's so hard, in fact, that all Twitter or YouTube or any other platform can do is come up with a rough estimation uh, based on imperfect and limited algorithms for detecting bots and spam which if you've ever looked in our comment section, <laughs> it doesn't really work too great, but no. we we try hard to uh, filter those out. Um, yeah. The amount of bot and spam accounts on Twitter might be 5%. It might be 20%. But when Twitter went with 5% in a government filing, uh, that's, what they, that's what they said. That's what they filed to the government. So yeah, you could probably assume they have some kind of data to back that up and they're not just flat out lying. Yeah, they could, they could get themselves in the... Uh pretty serious trouble if they were just pulling that number out of their ass. Uh, yeah, and it's like, uh, the, the estimation's weird. It's like, how many are inactive accounts or accounts that were hijacked? Yeah. Uh, anything like that. It, it's like, what is their definition of a bot account? And I, I think the definition would vary depending on who you ask. It's like, what counts as a view on every different platform? To your average uh, liberal boomer on Twitter, uh it's like 99% bot accounts. <laughs> a bot there. is someone that doesn't agree yeah. with you. <laughs> okay, bot reported. <laughs> anyway, on Monday, Twitter's CEO, Parag Agrawal, a guy who got like maybe a solid two months of enjoying his job before this shit fucking happened. Uh, <laughs> Not having a good time. <laughs> yeah, no. It's like, oh, I'm the guy replacing Jack. That's so great. <laughs> it's so, I'm so excited. I've worked towards this for years. And it's so like, <laughs> not funny for him, but from the outside looking in, to have been involved in a relatively short amount of time and then see your golden parachute deploy. Like, you'll ne you and your great-grandchildren, none of them will ever have to work. And then this guy yeah. is just jerking you along for a month straight, ruining your fucking yeah. life. Yeah, and with, like, the terms of the deal is, like, basically guaranteeing that he would lose his job, too. Probably. Like, he'd get a big payout, but he would no longer be the CEO of Twitter. Anyway, Parag Agarwal posted a long thread to Twitter uh, and it was about spam, in which he outlined how spam is a moving target that's always going to be a cat and mouse game to deal with, and basically impossible to eliminate completely because spammers are always coming up with new ways to beat the algorithm. Especially when Elon makes it open source. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he says that Twitter suspends... This is wild. He says they suspend half a million spam accounts every day, and that an added challenge to dealing with spam is that there are a lot of false positives, accounts that an algorithm might think are spam, but are actually real people. Uh, and he points out that an easy way to eliminate spam altogether would be to have users do a CAPTCHA every time they post, but that would be ridiculous. No. That would be a lot to ask of uh, Math users. Math problems. That way no one gets, like, wasted and does... Yeah, I like that, actually. Yeah. Uh, he also says that Twitter has a huge incentive 
to eliminate as much spam as possible because spam is bad for business and bad for the user experience. There you go. I mean, yeah. that's, that sounds plausible. It's a good case. Yeah. It's a pretty informative 13-tweet thread uh, to which Elon Musk replied with a simple poop emoji. Epic. A, a great dunk, sir. Yeah. We love you, you, sir. You win the Reddits today. He then followed up the poop emoji with, so how do advertisers know what they're getting for their money? This is fundamental to the financial health of Twitter. And that's a good question, but also the kind of question that you ask if you have zero experience running any sort of online platform. It's also the kind of question you'd presumably ask before making a deal to buy a social platform for $44 billion. But the answer is that advertisers have never in the entire history of the internet been able to know with 100% certainty whether the engagement metrics for their ads are entirely accurate. It's simply unknowable, and advertisers definitely understand that not all online, online activity is authentic. But when you use our promo codes, they know that we yeah. specifically are sending you to their website. That's how you know the ads work, when you use our promo codes. That's the only guaranteed way. Everything else is just sort of noise. Yep. Anyway, that same day as the poop emoji, at a tech conference in Miami, Elon followed up with the results of his very scientific independent study into Twitter's fake accounts, saying that fake accounts actually make up at least 20% of Twitter accounts and that renegotiating the deal at a lower price was not out of the question, implying that uh, the current deal as it stands is not going to work. Uh, he followed up on that a few hours later on Twitter with, 20% fake slash spam accounts, while four times what Twitter claims could be much higher. My offer was based on Twitter's SEC filings being accurate. Yesterday, Twitter's CEO publicly refused to show proof of less than 5%. This deal cannot move forward until he does, which is, this is dumb because Parag explained in his spam thread that a lot of the, the data that they use to verify user authenticity and come up with that 5% is private personal info on their users. And that's why Twitter can't just publish their data for everyone to sift through. It would be a privacy nightmare. Uh, so yeah, Elon's he's demanding something here that's it's just not going to happen. Yeah, so Elon is demanding data that Twitter won't give him and also basically saying that the deal is off unless they lower the price of the company. But uh-oh, you already made the deal, Elon. I suppose both Elon and Twitter could both agree to renegotiate, but uh-oh again, Twitter doesn't want to. They've been proceeding for weeks under the assumption that a deal is a deal and have even advised shareholders this week to vote to approve the merger. In fact, one could argue that by backing out of the deal and renegotiating for a lower price, that would be a violation, violation of Twitter's fiduciary duty to its shareholders, which could get them sued. So Twitter has come out and said that the deal that Elon agreed to is moving forward whether Elon likes it or not. So, I mean, can't Elon just pay a penalty to break the deal? Uh, maybe, but it's, it's complicated. Uh, here's Ars Technica. The sale agreement lets either Twitter or Musk kill the deal and pay a breakup fee of $1 billion under certain circumstances. For example, Musk would have to pay the termination fee if he fails to consummate the merger as required pursuant to and in the circumstances specified in the merger agreement. However, Musk can't necessarily get out of it based solely on his complaints about the number of spam accounts on the social network. As Bloomberg wrote, the merger agreement also includes a specific performance provision that allows Twitter to force Musk to consummate the deal, according to the filing. That could mean that, should the deal end up in court, Twitter might secure an order obligating Musk to complete the merger rather than winning monetary compensation for any violations of it. Basically, best case scenario, Musk goes to court and wins. But everything we've seen about how the contract is written indicates he doesn't have much of a case. So the next best case scenario is he pays $1 billion to walk away, <laughs> having accomplished nothing but wasting everyone's time in the process. 
He could also literally be forced to buy the company or be forced to pay more than a billion dollars penalty if this does go to court. So currently it's not looking very likely that this deal is going to happen and uh, that it will instead result in a long divorce for a marriage that was never even consummated. This man knows a thing or two about divorce though. Yes, so this should be easy. Yeah. But he's going to want Twitter once the story that got pushed out to the press today really starts making the rounds. And we'll get to that. There's so much uh, Elon news. I hate this man. Look, we hate talking about him as much as you hate listening. But by God, he has a stranglehold on the tech space right he has now. Chosen to it's be, unfortunate. He has chosen to be the main character. Yes. Anyway, as for wh why Musk would be getting cold feet about this deal, it's probably not just his sudden concern for spam. Uh, Tesla stock is currently down by around 30% from where it was when the deal was first made like three and a half weeks ago. Uh, and so is Twitter's stock. And the whole market is down, but this deal in which some of Musk's ownership of Tesla is essentially being exchanged for ownership of Twitter is based on what both companies were worth last month. So Musk has less money to spend, and the thing he's buying is worth a lot less than what he agreed to pay for it. He really could literally have not uh, come up with a worse time to move forward with all of this. It's just incredible timing. The only thing better would be if he had uh, offered to pay for the whole thing in fucking Dogecoin. Uh, yeah, I assume that he probably does have some crypto holdings that have also taken a huge hit. Yeah, now his, uh, I mean, his network is, his net worth is like 99% tied up in investments. So I'm sure his finances have taken quite a beating in the last couple weeks. Meanwhile, remember how Elon failed to actually disclose that he'd bought up the largest individual stake in Twitter until well after he was actually required to by law? We immediately saw some shareholder lawsuits against Elon for that, but Elon's old friends down at the Securities and Exchanges Commission are also now looking into that. Gizmodo explains, Through Section 13D of the 1934 SEC Act, the commission mandates disclosure of stock purchases totaling more than 5% of a company's shares within 10 days. Musk crossed the 5% threshold on March 14th and then continued purchasing additional shares after March 24th until he hit 9.2%. Based on the SEC rules, Musk should have disclosed his initial greater than 5% purchase by March 24th. However, he didn't alert the public about it until April 4th. The SEC rule is meant to protect and inform other shareholders when a large investor is seeking company control so that they can make informed decisions. Twitter's stock prices jumped up by about 27% when Musk finally did file his SEC paperwork, meaning he probably saved himself a lot of money by not announcing the buy-up as it was happening. And it sounds like they've got a pretty solid case, but... I mean, he literally had a deadline that he didn't meet. But he's broken the SEC rules numerous times before, and... Yeah, I mean, and, like, worst case scenario, he gets another, like, slap on the wrist. Yeah, and a fine, like, where it's like, yeah. okay. All right, all right cool. Great. So, anyway, that's, uh, like I said, it's not actually all the Elon news that we have this week. Um, there's Elon news that has nothing to do with Twitter. <laughs> well, actually, I guess he does everything on Twitter. We have uh, way more of a view into this man's thoughts than really Twitter any, is the public square, and uh, Elon is apparently at the center of that Elon public square. Elon just stands in that public square all day shouting at everyone in town. He doesn't go home, doesn't talk to his kids. He is in the public square That's what he. Long. That's when he talks about working 20 hours a day. That's what he yeah, just tweeted. Posting. Yeah, posting. Um, so, yeah, uh, in the midst of all this, Elon also came out as a Republican. I know, it is shocking. <laughs> An unfathomably wealthy industrialist is a conservative? Say it ain't so, Elon. 
Okay, so this side plot seems to have been sparked by the news that the S&P 500 removed Tesla stock from its ESG index, which stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. It's basically a way for people to invest in a whole bunch of relatively ethical companies that are determined uh, via lots of different criteria. So instead of buying the S&P 500, which maybe has some stocks that you you know, don't agree are against with. your ethics, you, you can invest in the ESG index and feel okay about yourself. So Tesla was, of course, on that list because it's a green energy company. They're making electric cars. They're not polluting. But uh, that's not true. And uh, so the, S- the S&P bumped them off the list because Tesla's score dropped due to a bunch of stuff. Like, actually, turns out they pollute a lot, despite what you might think. Uh, kind of a shocking amount, and also for being repeatedly accused of being a terrible, dangerous, racist place to work. Uh, so Elon didn't take this well and pointed out uh, several valid reasons why the ESG index is sort of bullshit. But this seems to have sent him down such a rabbit hole of indignation at the social justice warriors and the leftist agenda and whatnot that he officially announced the following on Twitter. I am retiring from Twitter. No, <laughs> never. Uh, in the past, I voted Democrat because they were mostly the kindness party but they have become the party of division and hate, so I can no longer support them and will vote Republican. Now watch their dirty tricks campaign against me unfold, popcorn emoji. Which again, not surprising at all, but the timing is pretty incredible. Republican-appointed judges are abolishing Roe v. Wade, a kid whose manifesto might as well be a Tucker Carlson script just killed a bunch of black people in a mass shooting, and the number one conservative issue right now is accusing anyone who isn't cis-hetero of grooming children. But yeah, I mean, sure, the Republicans are the kindness party, unlike those hateful and divisive Democrats. Also, like, I mean, look, uh, you can argue against this, but Tesla literally would not exist as a company without massive amounts of government subsidies and EV credits and shit like that that were pretty much all passed by Democratic politicians and opposed by Republicans. I do, it's, it's also like, it's one thing to be like, oh, I, I don't agree with the Democratic Party anymore. Yeah, but, but sure. To, but then just don't I'm vote. Not, yeah. Like, if you're voting for Darth Vader, <laughs> like, that's where things get a little... You don't have to love either of the parties. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> you can do, you can think whatever you want, but, like, actively voting against the party who is going to take away abortion rights, potentially gay marriage, uh, is the catalyst for mass domestic terrorism. Yeah. And uh, a bunch of really uh, other unsettling things. It doesn't really paint you as any kind of, like, yeah. noble character. It's like, I get it. Democrats are annoying. You're right about that. And they can't like, govern. They can't. They're bad at, they're <laughs> bad at government. They're terrible at it. They yeah. fucking suck at mm-hmm. it. But doesn't mean you have to uh, be a Republican, especially especially when you're a, you're a green energy company. What are you doing? The only good thing about this is, and I hope, I hope this is what happens, is that Elon does go full Republican, and this basically tricks Republicans into heavily supporting uh, expansion of green energy. Sure. Because it helps Elon. You say that, but instead we're just going to build a bunch of car-sized tunnels. Yeah. Back in 2018, Elon donated nearly seven times as much money to Republicans than Democrats. So this change of heart thing is pretty yeah, much bullshit. It's, uh, it's, and like this guy, you were posting fucking like Babylon B memes for the last like three years. Your entire worldview seems to come from like 4chan memes. Like, come on. Come yeah, on, Elon. It's, uh, he's definitely going to get that very loud, very prominent support on Twitter where yeah. he lives. So that's, it makes him feel good. Yeah. And no, the man, uh, like, he literally, 
he lives off. If, if people stop talking about him and saying nice things about him, he will die. When you're when you're super rich and can do and buy anything you want, like it's going to be really hard to get those feel good chemicals going in your brain. Yeah. So the admiration of others is a real big. It's something that you can't really buy. He's yeah. trying to, but you can't really buy it. I, I, I would have just said that's the only way he can get off, but. Oh, uh, there's other ways. Uh, there's other yeah, ways. it turns out he has other ways of getting off. And um, so, yeah, he said in that post uh, to watch out for a dirty tricks campaign against him to unfold like that now that he's revealed his political affiliations. And a lot of people correctly read the lines there to conclude that what was actually happening is that some dirt about Elon was about to come to light and he was using this as a way to kind of get ahead of it and preemptively discredit it as a smear job. We did this two weeks ago with Madison Cawthorn. Yeah. Literally was like, more and more things are going to keep coming out about me and they're all just attacks. Yeah. And look, we don't know all the facts here. No. But we do know that SpaceX paid a flight attendant $250,000 back in 2018 to settle a sexual misconduct claim against Elon Musk in which Musk was accused of exposing his genitals to her. So, uh, yeah, that sounds pretty bad, but it's actually it's actually worse than that. Uh, here's Insider who broke this story. SpaceX, the aerospace firm founded by Elon Musk, the world's wealthiest man, paid a flight attendant $250,000 to settle a sexual misconduct claim against Musk in 2018, Insider has learned. The attendant worked as a member of the cabin crew on a contract basis for SpaceX's corporate jet fleet. She accused Musk of exposing his erect penis to her, rubbing her leg without consent, and offering to buy her a horse <laughs> in exchange for an erotic massage, according to interviews and documents obtained by Insider. This is horrible, but it like that, babe, I'll buy you a horse. Come on. Come on. It is an odd thing to come out of the gate with. Yeah. I can afford so many horses. You're going to be drowning in horses. Mm -hmm. Come on. One side. How would you like horses? So the article goes into a lot more detail about the allegations that we're not going to read here on YouTube. But the flight attendant says that after she turned Musk down, she started receiving fewer and fewer work shifts. And two years later, she went ahead and hired an employment lawyer to sue SpaceX before the whole thing ended up getting settled behind closed doors. So the leak of the settlement seems to have come from a friend of the flight attendant who, uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems kind of unlikely that this is something that she was sitting on, just waiting for the exact moment that Elon Musk announced he would be voting Republican now. That seems like less it seems likely. like they reached out for comment and he yeah. was like, this story's going to break. Yeah, that's probably, probably what happened. Yeah. Uh, and in one more bit of uh, trouble for Elon Musk, there's a New York Times Presents documentary dropping on Hulu and FX on Friday called Elon Musk's Crash Course. And here's the official description. The first documentary of the new season is Elon Musk's Crash Course. Elon Musk, the world's richest person, has claimed since 2015 that for Tesla, technology for self-driving cars is essentially a solved problem and made outlandish claims about autopilot capabilities. But a New York Times investigation reveals the quixotic nature of Musk's pursuit of self-driving technology and the tragic results. Drawing on first-hand accounts, the film traces how autopilot has been a factor in several deaths and dozens of other accidents that Tesla has not publicly acknowledged. It details pressure Elon Musk put on government officials to quash investigations and features inside stories from several former Tesla employees who speak out against Musk for promoting a self-driving program that they believe was perilous. Elon Musk made his name and fortune taking bold risks and betting on the impossible. But the story of his pursuit of self-driving has put Musk on a crash course with both the business realities and technology's limits. Yet, even after years of unfulfilled promises, Elon Musk continues to double down on his full self-driving service, once again, with questionable results. 
So, so probably not a fun watch. Yeah, it seems like uh, it seems like the documentary is going to take a, a critical tone uh, towards Elon and his exploding car company. It's just so wild that if you looked at tech magazines, tech reports, tech YouTubers three, four years ago, oh, yeah, it is this man is a god. Yeah, to be no. worshipped. He was universally because we didn't know anything about him. We're just like he's making electric cars. That's good. More car companies should be doing that. And and then by his own hand became a he was the one behind his supervillain arc because well, he kept. Just, I can't remember where I saw it, but I saw this graph somewhere of like his number of daily Twitter post or total Twitter posts per year, and it's like you know 2014. He's tweeting like once a day. And it just like gradually increases. Then you get to 2019 or so, and it just skyrockets. Like he's yeah. just posting. He's online all fucking. Well, and days. it was definitely the uh, uh, Farnsworth, the uh, guy who we called a pedophile. Oh yeah, yeah that yeah, was the, the, the peak guy. of like where it was like, dude, why doesn't this guy just fucking mind his yeah, own why business? Why don't you just shut the fuck? And up? after that, it was like completely down. Yeah, he learned the uh, complete opposite lesson from that whole thing, which like, would have been. Should have been a moment to reflect and maybe be like, I should maybe watch what I say and enjoy the fact that I'm insanely rich and not uh, just post whatever's on my mind. But, even uh, even the reveal of the Cybertruck, people were like in, the, in our comments being like, you guys are just shitting all over this because you hate Elon Musk. And it's like, dude, this is not this is not going to happen. Yeah. Go ahead and put your fucking money down and wave bye bye. Yeah. You see, uh, uh, this is another, sorry. The Tesla Elon. Semi? No, the oh, uh, God, there was Australia a... is forcing Tesla to give back all of the pre-order money to its citizens because Tesla has refused to, pro- to prove at all that it, the truck will be designed with safety specs for Australian roads. Those are things that normal car companies consider uh, when they are designing vehicles is, uh, you know, well, whether I'll... they are legal for the road. <laughs> the truck... <laughs> Hasn't even it has to have like crumple zones and shit. Yeah, and it's a stainless steel car. Like it's not even gonna pass American safety standards. Yeah, uh, it'll probably be like uh, you know we when we first saw the boring company concept, we're like, oh wow, that's crazy. It's like the Jetsons, and then he reveals it, and it's just this fucking just shitty fucking concrete tube in the ground with a a car propelling itself through it on like. Just shaking violently the te- at 30 miles an hour. The gigantic military-style Tesla Cybertruck is going to end up coming out looking like a Ford Maverick. Yeah. You're going to need Tom Cruise to stand next to it to, like, sell the idea that it's big. Ah, <laughs> uh, so there's your uh, your Elon stuff for the week. My God, please, please. We're sorry, but look, it's, it's, <sighs> it's chaos. It's like, we have to cover this. Yeah. I... It's like, like, I, I get it. Like, the NFT stuff is... We're we're over it too, believe me. But like when when shit happens, like what happened last week, look the name of our show is Internet Today. Yeah, this is this is what we have to cover. Internet Today, Tech News Day. It's yeah. uh, this is our bread and butter. It tastes like shit, but we're gonna eat it, <laughs> and then we're gonna chew it up and spit it into your little baby bird mouth, and then you're gonna eat it. I'm sorry. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I'm there sorry for this reality we've created. Anyways, we do have plenty more news, non-Elon news coming Oh, good, because right it's 35 minutes we've been Yeah. Uh, but first, this episode is sponsored by Stitch Fix. Shopping for new clothes can be daunting. You never know if things will fit. Returns are difficult. And sometimes you don't even know where to start. This season, let Stitch Fix do all the hard work. It's easy and fun to get started. First, take a few minutes to set up your Stitch Fix style profile. Answer a few questions about what you like to wear, what you don't, and how open you are to trying new styles. 
Then Stitch Fix's expert stylists will go to work finding items exclusively for you. Every piece is handpicked for you and is unique to your size, style, and in your budget, making it the best way to discover clothes that make you look and feel your best. Stitch Fix will send you five pieces to try on at home. You keep what you love, you send back what you don't. Shipping, returns, and exchanges, they're always easy and free. Plus, there's no subscription required. Try once or set up automatic deliveries. There's no hidden fees ever. So sign up for Stitch Fix and get this season's latest pieces for women, men, and kids. Go to stitchfix.com slash newsday to sign up and get $20 off your first purchase. That is stitchfix.com slash newsday to get $20 off your first purchase. And uh, just FYI, this is a limited time offer. You're going to make your purchase within two days of sign up. So go to stitchfix.com slash newsday and uh, get your $20 off. All right, we can finally get back to to the news with some non-Musk news cool. uh, with another topic that we're also all very tired of hearing about, uh, NFTs. But look, I promise this one's, this is a fun one. You're going to like this one. So, doubt. <laughs> so the Board Ape Yacht Club NFT project has been probably the most prominent and annoying in the whole NFT space. And every interview that we've seen of its members, or even just looking at how these people post on Twitter, gives off major cult vibes. These people have purchased extremely expensive cartoon images of apes, and now that's their key personality trait. And like with a typical cult, you kind of get the sense that owning this ape has given some of these people a sense of belonging and community that they previously sorely lacked. Which is great for them, but on the flip side, anyone who's not all in on apes is probably going to find your ape obsession weird and annoying. And that's especially a problem when it comes to dating. You're going to have to cover this. I'm not liquid right now. Uh, why bother trying to date normies who just don't get it when you could exclusively date other ape aficionados? That's the idea behind Lonely Ape Dating, a dating app exclusive to Bored Ape Yacht Club holders, which, to be clear, isn't officially affiliated with Yuga Labs, the creators of Bored Apes, who have a pretty hands-off approach to their intellectual property as long as actual ape holders are involved. Anyways, Lonely Ape Dating appears to have launched back around Valentine's Day, or at least that's when their website launched with a form to sign up for the waitlist. They also released a press kit with some real gems in it. <clears throat> what makes us unique from other dating apps? A list of features. Users will be able to connect their crypto wallets and filter potential matches by net worth of <laughs> cryptocurrency and NFTs held in their wallets. Get the attention of potential matches by sending them tips in crypto. <laughs> hey, babe. <laughs> This show off prostitution. Show off cool metrics like how long you have diamond handed held onto your NFTs. That's well, called edging. <laughs> as well as your personal net worth and NFT portfolio. Unique match to earn feature allows users to earn tokens for swiping and engaging with matches. Coin digger feature will allow non-board ape yacht club owners to connect with higher net worth individuals for mutual benefit. That's a, a, they got a sugar daddy feature on there. Sugar daddy prostitution. Uh... Yeah, all the all the good wallet inspection. Yeah, uh, all the good connect, stuff. Connect uh, connect that wallet over here. Uh, they also have mockups of the app's UI. Here's a profile for a female user whose bio says, "Looking for a Mr. Ape to rumble in the jungle." Winky face. <laughs> Mm. Uh, the left swipe, right swipe mechanic seems to be dragging a banana emoji to the left for a happy monkey, or to the right for a see no evil monkey. Another mock-up shows, shows a match screen including a button for send message and another button for monkey around, which has us wondering what the hell that second button actually means. What, what do you mean? I just want to fuck. That's, <laughs> yeah. that, that's the fuck button. Anyways, it's unclear how much interest this project ever actually drummed up, but the app's developer posted the following to Twitter last week. 
Unfortunately, due to a vastly uneven ratio of men to women <laughs> signed up for our wait list, we have decided to put the Board Ape Yacht Club dating app on hold indefinitely. Too many bros! We sincerely appreciate your interest and support. Good Lord. This is one of the most brutal owns we've seen targeted at the NFT space, and the call is coming from within, inside the house. This and is, I, this is, this is, this is people, these people love their board apes, and they have insulted their love worse than anyone from the outside could have ever done. And I love, my favorite part about this too is that I have a, a deep connection with the audience watching right now. Whoever's still left watching this, Knew this was coming. Yeah. Knew that was coming at the second we started talking this about the story. This would be like if we started an internet today dating app, yeah. which we never would, but it would be doomed to the same fate. It would, the ratio would be very skewed. Yes, we know how many percentage are female, yeah. and we love our female viewers. Yeah. But uh, tell some more of your female friends, because I think it's like at peak, it was like 15%. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen it that high. Yeah. Anyway. We could have all probably guessed that these communities were total sausage fests. You but, were screaming it. But to have it confirmed in this way, it's it's real life satire. This is like an onion headline. Like, oh, Board Ape Yacht Club, uh, you know, canceled because the gender ratio is so skewed. Softball. Yeah. But uh, whatever. R.I.P. Lonely Ape Dating. You, you would have surely been, at the very least, a very successful platform for catfishing NFT bros into opening up their wallets. Just think of all of the All My Apes Gone tweets we could have gotten if Lonely Ape Dating had actually moved forward. It's a terrible missed opportunity for the scammer community. Now they're going to have to go back to farmers only. Bitcoin farmers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, let's round out this episode with some news from the world of medical science. Sup, nerds? First up, some bad news. Uh, it's harder to tell now that most COVID testing involves rapid tests done at home, which aren't reported to anyone. But COVID's still here, and actually it seems to be uh, bouncing back quite a bit from its big slump a few months back. And that's a big problem, because even out here in the People's Republic of California, <laughs> mask wearing is pretty much non-existent at this point. After two years, the government finally told everyone they didn't have to wear masks anymore and that COVID was basically over. So they can't exactly turn around and go back on that, especially in election year. But they can very delicately suggest that you should absolutely start taking COVID seriously again. Uh, seriously again. Pretty please. I'm not saying you have to wear a mask, but please, for the love of God, wear a fucking mask. Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, we have uh, friends of friends and close friends that uh, have come down with it recently. I know more like, people who've gotten COVID in the last three weeks than probably the entire pandemic leading yeah, up. Yeah, up, like, up until Omicron. Omicron was like, wow, everyone fucking got yeah. this. And then the past three weeks have been like, everyone's getting this again. Yeah. Different anyway, people, though. Yeah. Here's uh, the New York Times uh, from this week. Federal health officials warned on Wednesday that a third of Americans live in areas where the threat of COVID-19 is now so high that they should consider wearing a mask in indoor public settings. They cited new data showing a substantial jump in both the spread of the coronavirus and hospitalizations over the past week. Dr. Rochelle P. Walensky, the director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, said that the seven-day average of hospital admissions from COVID-19 rose 19% over the previous week. About 3,000 people a day were being admitted with COVID, she said, although death rates, a lagging indicator, remained low. More than 32% of Americans now live in counties with medium to high levels of virus transmission, compared with about 24% the previous week. Dr. Walensky said that local leaders and individuals in those regions should adopt or at least consider prevention strategies such as masking in indoor public settings and more frequent testing. Yeah, good luck with that. This is especially rich considering the government isn't even covering the cost of COVID testing for the uninsured anymore. No, nope, sorry. You can get, uh, They did do a new thing where if you use the same link as last time, you can get four more tests, which yeah. like that covers uh, a week. 
Those are good, but those things aren't real. They're also not that reliable either. They're not. They get the job done, but it's it's better than going and spending a hundred and fifty dollars a pop to yeah, get a PCR no one's, test. No one's doing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, what, what do you expect people to do? Spend six hundred dollars a month on PCR tests? If it's not free, and if I don't have insurance to cover it, like I'm just not going to fucking do it. No yeah. one's doing that. So. No government at any level is going to risk pissing off its constituents with new COVID restrictions at this point. And that goes all the way to the very top, with Joe Biden still acting like COVID is over, despite his own CDC director getting on the mic in his own house and saying otherwise. They just had a big party together and a yeah. bunch of people got sick yeah, at it. a bunch of people who work in the White House have COVID right now. So if you did previously take this virus seriously, no one's going to force you to mask up again, but maybe you still should, especially in crowded environments, because the data points to another COVID surge on the way or potentially already happening. Like, yeah, it was a nice couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. I went to a, the the last Dodger game I went to. I was back to masked up like fully again because it's just like, dude, it's I had, happening yeah, again. I had a couple of weeks where I was like finally, you know, going to stores and stuff, mask off. And then, yeah, then I started to see different sort of different inklings uh, that something might be something might be off. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Uh, like I originally worried. I think there's another wave coming. I'm just trying to... I'm going to get ahead of that wave. Trying to make it to next week, because we're we're going on a, a break for yeah. two weeks. That if you don't see any shows the next two weeks, yeah, well, you'll hear week. about it. Yeah, we're, we'll talk about it. But, like, yeah, I'm just like, man, what, that would fucking suck. So yeah. uh, I'm taking it uh, extremely cautiously for the next uh, two weeks. Anyway, speaking of viruses, though, they are generally bad. I think we can all agree on that. But what if they weren't? What if a virus was good? Oh, finally, some good news. <laughs> Uh, so that's the idea behind a clinical trial that just started that has the potential to result in a big leap forward for medicine. Uh, here's Gizmodo. Scientists dosed the first patient this week in a small clinical trial of an experimental cancer treatment, one that relies on a novel kind of ally. The treatment uses a virus engineered to selectively kill cancer cells while also amplifying the body's immune response to the cancer. The hope is that this therapy can help those with advanced solid tumor cancers in combination with other existing drugs. The CF33HNIS virus, also called Vaccinia, was originally created by researchers at the City of Hope National Medical Center in California. It's now being jointly developed with the company Immugene Limited. So basically, this is a virus that's been genetically modified to prefer attacking tumor cells. Look at that big, ah, delicious haunch yeah. of tumor right there. Uh, it also somehow gets the patient's immune system to attack the cancer, which has been a concept for more than a century, but is finally at a stage where scientists can actually try it out. They don't think it'll be a one-and-done cancer cure, but they hope that it'll be effective enough that when used alongside other treatments, it can tip the scales in the patient's favor. It sounds very promising, but of course, this kind of thing will take several years and multiple rounds of trials to prove if it's effective or not. And it also only targets some specific types of tumors because cancer is actually a lot of completely different diseases for which there can be no one single cure. Yeah, I love that my president uh, repeatedly said while running uh, for office that he was going to cure cancer as if that's a thing that is possible. Very cool, Brandon. Still, if this one works out, it could potentially save millions of lives. So here's the hoping. And also hoping that the death numbers for COVID stay low. Yeah. And that the hospital numbers... That'll be when... Stop going up. Yeah, that'll be when to worry, I guess. I mean, you should be cautious. Nobody wants to be sick. The, yeah. One of my friends who uh, currently has it and has been isolating for a couple of days now is going through hell. Says it's not fun and pretty scary. And he's like all vaxxed up and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also in medical studies news, uh, here's something pretty cool that also has potentially horrific implications. So uh, here's NPR. 
A team at Stanford University has demonstrated a new approach to reversing memory loss in mice. An infusion of spinal fluid from young mice reversed the memory loss typically seen in aging animals, the team reported this month in the journal Nature. A growth factor found in the fluid also improved memory, though to a lesser degree, says Tony Weiskore, a neuroscientist and senior author of the study. Hey, that's awesome. Was this like... Give me uh, some of that young spinal fluid. Yes, hang, me, <laughs> hang, hang them upside down and drain it right mm. into me. Uh. So this, of course, could potentially mean that something similar could eventually be done with humans to reverse the effects of diseases like Alzheimer's, which would be great. Alzheimer's and other forms of memory loss are just an awful way to go out. I've been dealing with it with extended family yeah. very uh, my, specifically for the past two years, and it's not. My grandma, this is back a long time ago, my, my dad's mom had Alzheimer's, and it's, uh, it was like literally traumatizing. It's a horrific existence yeah. that I would not wish upon anyone. It is very bad. Um, but using the spinal fluid of young people to keep old people alive, that's really dystopian <laughs> yeah. sounding, obviously. Yeah. And also not that different from what the QAnon people believe about the Illuminati harvesting adrenochrome from children. That's the first they thing were I thought right of. all along. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine a future where the Jeff Bezoses of the world are all living to be hundreds of years old because they're getting constant infusions of the blood and spinal fluid of the young slaves. That could be where we're heading. Um, hopefully... Could you imagine if it's like, instead of curing Alzheimer's, Jeff Bezos just wants to remember a blowjob he got 40 years ago? <laughs> it was so good. It's like, uh, in the, it's like in the notebook, but he has like one of his assistants read his diary uh, entry about the greatest blowjob he ever received to him every night so that he doesn't forget. <laughs> <laughs> but assuming this research can be replicated in humans at some point and can be made available to people who actually need it, Jeff, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. No denying that. It's very exciting. I, uh, it's just so horrifying. <laughs> like, because, I mean, going in, uh, like, go, at the rate we're going, at the direction we're going, this, like, neoliberal fucking hellscape where we're never going to have fucking universal health care. So this spinal fluid... Uh, brain, only for rich people. Only for rich people. And uh, the economy will, for the rest of the, the 99% will be in such shambles that everyone's... Everyone under, like, 25 is just going down to the fucking spinal fluid donation site every week to get their, their <laughs> spine drained for 50 bucks. Just so some old lady can be like, I remember when we owned slaves. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we own them again now. <laughs> then Elon Musk is like, I want to remember a time before Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Fill me up. Anyways, that's our show. Wow, what a what a long one. They've, they've all been long lately. Not getting any shorter. Uh, <laughs> I'll make tomorrow's short yeah. as a prize. Um, anyways, uh, yes, if you can tell we're at our wits end, that's because it's almost halfway through the year, so we're taking a, a, a little break. Uh, we did try to make it around the same time every year, but uh, five and a half, six months of uh, being on the internet will do that to you, so we're going to be taking a, a about a week and a half, yeah. week or so uh, break, and uh, so the last episode will be next Wednesday or something. Y you'll see it, but yeah. uh, if you're wondering why we're not posting videos, it's not because... Elon Musk deleted our lives. Be shadow banned. Uh, it's because we're actually trying to relax a little bit. So um, thank you for that. In the meantime, please watch our most recent episodes right over here. We got one about aliens. I want to believe. And also a new episode of Weekly Weird News. Check both of those out. Hit the subscribe button, then the join button, then the like button, then the thank button, then the comment yeah. button. And just look, you're already here. Might as well spend some time in the comments section. Yeah. Clicking all the buttons. It's fun. Report the bots. <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.